want to start out with a little bit of old school today. And um, you, have a, you have a task. Jeff is going to play the beginning of a particular song. And he's going to play the first 30 seconds once. And he's going to play the first 30 seconds again. Your task is simply to tell us what is the lyrics. How does this song start? All right. What are the lyrics to this song? Now, when I tell you this song, some of you are going to be like, I know, I know. Okay, so write it down on a piece of paper. Nudge your spouse or the neighbor sitting next to you and say, I know what it is. Okay, but don't give it away. That's what I'm asking. Because the rest of us who maybe aren't familiar with this bit of old school, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to pay attention and see if we can do this, come up with the opening lyrics. That's what all we're looking for, is the opening lyric to the song. So he's going to play 30 seconds. He's going to go back. He's going to play it again. You see if you got it. I'll give you the name. It's Sweet Home, Alabama. I realize some of you know. But let's see if others can get it with you, okay? And uh, Jeff, if you would play that for us, please. Two, three. That was once. Did you catch that? Let's try it one more time, because now you're like, okay, you maybe got a feel as to where things are coming in. Jeff, if you do it one more time, please, just like that. Two, three. Martha, were you rocking out to that one? Yes, she was. Yes, she was rocking to that one. Okay. All right. So what is the... Did you hear it? What's the opening lyric? Big wheels keep on turning. Huh? Right. You you hear that, right? Buzzer. What's the opening lyric? Nope. Turn it up. All right. Listen again once more, Jeff, right at the beginning. Listen to this. After he counts it in, listen. Two, three. That's good, Jeff. Thanks. Did you catch that? Turn it up. It's kind of hidden there in the background. All right? Now, I have no idea, because that's a studio version, and it's certainly known to those who understand the song to be there. And I don't know whether or not it's something that a guy was saying in the studio, like, hey, you've got to turn up my headset or something. I'm not hearing things. And they said, that actually is a nice little effect in the song. Or whether they're saying to the people listening, you're going to want to turn this one up. 
But I promise you that on the tape that we listened to, that's how long ago it was. It was a cassette tape that we had that we would listen to it after I took Mike and Matt skiing and snowboarding. And for two years, we always had to listen to the same cassette tape coming back. And when we got to that song and we heard, turn it up, we turn it up. Okay, we would turn that up. No, we turn it back down. But we always listen to that song louder. Now, what's that got to do with anything? Whatever was how that got into the song needs the volume to go up so that it can be heard. Whatever, whether it's saying to us, hey, crank this up, you're going to like this, listen to this one closely, or if it's just something a guy's saying in his headset that shouldn't have been on the track. But it's the, the thing is to listen. We want to listen. We need a little volume. We need this coming at us in such a way that we can really get what's here. Well, as we come today to return to our study, we're going to come to the book of Mark. And we're, I'm going to spend time with you in, in Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, we are actually going to see three parables that are rattled off. The place where we want to focus is not the parables per se. We'll, we'll include them. But it's kind of the space, one particular space between the parables. Think of a brick wall. You've got the bricks that you notice, and then you've got the mortar between the bricks. Well, we're going to be looking at the mortar between the bricks this morning. But we need to see the bricks in order to understand the mortar between the bricks. So it's a little bit of a lengthy passage. I trust that you'll, uh, you'll go with me on it, and we'll just, we'll just bore into it. So Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so, they, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen! Turn it up! Make sure you're getting what I'm about to tell you. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. But when, uh, uh, yeah, oh, there we are. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. He said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. 
These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So within this parable here, the the well-known parable of the soils, he is teaching this idea that the fruit that is born by the word which is heard has everything to do with the condition of the soil. That is, the person receiving it. Where is their heart at relative to receive this? And that will impact entirely whether there is fruit or not. So we move on. Verse 21. Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. We're coming back to this little section right here. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This particular parable Uh, communicates the idea that growth in the kingdom will happen and we don't necessarily perceive, understand, and know how it is going about, but it does happen because it's the nature of the seed and the soil and what is there. It will happen. The kingdom is going to progress. Then he says, verse 26, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed in the ground. No, excuse me, I want to pick it up, uh, I want to pick up verse 30, sorry. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with this particular parable, he speaks of the kingdom that is going to start out small. It's going to become magnificent in its grandeur, and it is going to grow. And and within the context of the kingdom, there's going to be a place of protection, a place of nesting, a place of security that can be found. That's the nature of the seed that is scattered. And that is what will happen. The kingdom is going to complete its processes and be magnificent. Verse 33, with many such parables, he spoke to the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. If you counted with me, 
you will notice that no less than in, the, in, these, in this passage that, that we've just read, no less than 11 times reference is given to this idea of hearing or listening or paying attention to what is going on. Because he finishes with, uh, began with listen, turn it up, and finished with this idea that's Mark's comment as they were able to hear it. Okay, he would speak to them and they would receive these parables. So our passage, as we said in passing, is verses 21 to 25. So if we can back up to verse 21, I want to make this simple observation. Also he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he deals with the question of purpose. When people light a lamp, there's a purpose in lighting of the lamp. It is to give illumination. You don't light a lamp in order to give illumination and then cover it in some fashion. That makes no sense. The lamp is lit with the purpose to give light. I believe what he is saying, very simply, is this. God's Word goes out to give light. And it will give light. And the revelation of it will be seen. And it will be known. Everything that needs to be revealed by the Word of God will be revealed, will be understood. It all will come to light to those who are prepared to listen. To those, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he makes this interesting statement. See, God isn't sending his word out futilely. You know, the Gideons love Isaiah who who said that his word accomplishes what he sends it forth to do. It will not be returned void. And I believe that's what he's speaking here. His word is going to do everything his word needs to do with those who are ready to hear it. And in that context... He makes this statement. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. The word take heed really means to look. Look at. Pay attention to. Watch. See with understanding. So he kind of says, see what you're hearing. Which is, I think, kind of an interesting thing. (laughs) See what you're hearing. But his point is... If the Word of God is revealed to those who have ears to hear, we've got to pay attention to what are we willing to hear. Where is our our capacity to receive what is there? We have to pay attention to that. Because he goes on further in the verse to say, With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear... To you who have the capacity to hear, who are in a place in your heart and in your life to hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. More of the word of God will bear its purposes and and its fruit and its light in their lives. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. The word taken is exactly the same word 
that in that first parable, the seed that fell on the paths where the birds came, they took it away. And he later said that was Satan who just takes the word away. And we live in this environment where Satan is continually seeking to take it from us. Here's what's interesting. Verse 24, middle of the verse. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. You'll notice that I've titled this message, Three Meters. Because the same word is used three times in the original language. We don't see it in our translation so that it's clearer to us, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, our translation is correct, but what I would like to do is say what it, what it literally says is this. With the same meter, now you know what meter, a meter is, right? We have all sorts of ways of metering. Metering is the same, it's a way to measure, Right? So you, think of, you can think of technically a meter, right? It's this approximately this long. But there's other things where we like we're, something outside is metering the amount of uh, electricity we're using right now, right? There's something metering that. There's something else that meters the water. Every time you flush the toilet, it's metering the water, right? It's measuring all of these things. So we're used to what this idea of meter is. But the word in the original language of Greek is literally meter, metros. So, you got that? So, it says this. For, uh, let's see, for with the same measure, the same meter, you, and it literally says meter. Only now we went from a noun to a verb. With the same meter that you meter, that you measure things, so you could look at it this way. With the same measure that you measure, following me? It will be measured to you, back to you. It will be metered back to you. Got that? The same. So, so here's, what, here's what we're saying. Take heed what you hear. Watch what you, watch what you hear. Be careful of how you're hearing because here's the point. How you receive the truth of the Word of God has a direct impact back on your life because the meter with which you meter, that you use to be willing to receive the word of God is going to be turned right back to you and be the source or the degree of the measure of God's word that you're going to understand and with which you will be blessed and by which you will be transformed and into which you will have greater understanding. So here's what, in filling in the blanks, a very simple way to look at this. The volume of our hearing impacts the volume of our blessing. If we're resistant to hearing the Word of God, if we don't want it, we're going to miss the blessings that God has prepared because His Word is out there in order to what? Bring fullness of understanding and light to people. His Word is designed to accomplish something. The question is whether or not we're in a place to receive something. And this is what He challenges us to take heed what you hear how readily are you available to letting God speak into your life is it something that we go man I just want God to speak into my life or do we say well I'll be just a little bit careful about that because a big volume of hearing will make more things and more understanding and more light available to us And a lack of hearing results in loss.
I've mentioned it already. We've made the point that um, the word taken away is the same thing as where Satan just takes the word away. So I'm not sure whether or not what he's saying is Satan's always out there trying to steal the word from us. So whether it's, it falls on this ground and he just quickly takes it away or it's on stony ground, it gets a little bit of depth, but he still gets it. Or whether it's getting choked out and he still takes it away so it's no longer having an impact on us. Or if it's good soil, now it actually bears fruit. I don't know whether it's specifically related to he's saying Satan's always going to be taking it from you or whether or not he may also just simply be saying there's a judgment here. That God's judgment is not to make his word available to those who are going to just say, I have no need for it. He's like, okay, you have no need for it. I'm not going to keep trying to reveal it to you. I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's here. This light on the lampstand is available, but if it's unavailable to you, it might as well be covered, but my purposes are still going to be completed. So, the volume of our hearing impacts the volume of our blessing. What are we what is it that we are really open to for God to be able to reveal to us? So here's a thought that just kind of went through my mind. The Word of God goes forth. The Word of God is going to accomplish what it is intended to accomplish. The Word of God is there to bring light. And when God sends it forth, it's as if it should be on a lampstand so that it can reveal things to people. But he says, talks about this measuring thing. So so what if when God's word, okay, is there, right now what we're speaking, what if this is our measuring thing? We say, well, I'll just take a little taste. Thanks. Just don't overdo it, preacher, okay? Don't, don't get too convicting. Just, 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 I just want a little bit of sip, okay? I'm not sure if I'm really going to like it, so I'll just take a little. And he says, yeah, well, guess what? Not much blessing involved if you're taking just a little. But then the next person is like, dude, yeah, scoop it up, buddy. Give me the full serving, right? It's a boom, dip in there, and I want, I want a full ladle, okay? And with that full ladle is going to be blessings back of a full ladle. And then after a while, we've had the full ladle. We realize, you know, Lord, knowing you is so good. I want more. And so then we go and we take the bowl. It's like, okay, skip the ladle. All right, I'm just digging this right in and because I want to measure in a big way. And we measure in a big way, and that's good. That's good. But eventually we're at a point where we say, that's not big enough, okay? I need something more than this stuff, all right? Fill it up, Lord. I want your word because your word is revealing you to me. And he says, there's a direct correlation between our willingness to receive the volume of our hearing of the Word of God and the volume of the blessing that comes from that Word. We hold off on it. We only take a little. Eh, there's a good chance that's all going to just dissipate from us. As I contemplated this, I thought, you know, there really is in the necessity of gaining God's Word. The, the Word that came to my mind was simply layering. Every day we need to layer in a little bit more of God's Word into our life on a daily basis. We need to have contact with the Word of God and layer it in and layer it in and layer in more and say, Lord, never quit bringing me your Word. I need it every single day so that it can be measured back to me in blessing and fruit in my life. So, 
Just a couple of thoughts that, that might help us in that area. As he says, be careful how you hear. Be careful what is going on. Pay attention to this. We can ask the question is, how do we hear it? And in this hearing, there is built into this this idea of receiving it, accepting it. Okay, you got, you got to take it in and you got to let it impact your life. And it has to have a place where you go, oh, I see. This pertains to this in my heart. And I'm going to let that connection happen. So, first th- question that comes to my mind is, do we believe in the Word of God? Number one, is this the Word of God? Or have we bought into something that says, well, it's a nice book, it's got a lot of interesting wisdom, it's a roadmap for my life, it's got all these things. But do we believe that God has revealed what He wants us to know right here? And that this is adequate to speak into our lives. Do we put this on the lampstand effectively to say, I need this to shed light into my life? Or do we kind of go, well, you know, it's an interesting thing, but not one. So it's got to start there. Is this the Word of God? Secondly is, how do we value it? I may very well believe it's the Word of God, but not put a whole lot of value on hearing it. I maybe was raised in a church that says, yeah, we were taught it's the Word of God, and uh, somebody gave me some ideas as to why I can believe that, and so I believe it's the Word of God. But so what? It doesn't have much meaning to me or relevance to me, so I don't really pay much attention to it. So I'm not just not hearing it. And that gets us thinking, doesn't it? This whole question of hearing in our day-to-day lives, we put huge value on hearing, don't we? We're in a room somewhere and we can't hear. We're either just plain frustrated or we'll sit like this. What was that? I want to hear that because I value what's being said. Or when we find out this isn't working anymore, what do we do? We go to a doctor, and the doctor has incredible devices. And we're going to spend a lot of time working with the doctor who's going to give us hearing aids that are going to enable us to know what's going on here. So right here, there's dozens of people in this room right now wearing hearing aids. Why? Because we value being able to hear what is going on around us. So we go through a lot of effort and expense, don't we? Simply to be able to hear. And then to me, the ultimate statement on that is, and the most famous person I know of, and that's the only reason I know about it, is because he speaks about it occasionally, is Rush Limbaugh wears cochlear implants, which means there's a device attached to the back of his head which allows him to hear that way. And he says, when that's not on, he is completely deaf. He hears nothing. So it's not just that you're assisting hearing that's there, but it's not good. Nothing. And it's an entirely different type of device for which I'm sure he has spent many, many thousands of dollars and is constantly at a doctor to make sure it's running properly and everything is a good place because his entire livelihood depends upon him being able to hear. Okay, But that's, that's that. We get to that point where we're like, dude, I want to be able to hear. So this asks us a practical question. 
how much time and expense are we willing to put into hearing the word of God? Jesus said, he said, take heed what you hear. How you're hearing. How much does this matter to you? How much does it matter to me to hear the word of God and to really hear it? Not just seeds scattered on, on the side of the road that the evil one could take away, but to let it penetrate into me so that it impacts and changes my life. So how do we value hearing the word of God? And then another question we might ask ourselves is, do we apply it or do we dismiss it? Oh, oh the word teaches that? Well, that's not real comfortable for my life. Or that's not where I want to go. So I'll just kind of pass over that place. Recall a number of years ago, a mom who she and her husband sought to raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, saying with a degree of heartbreak that her daughter, who when she was young would say she wanted to follow Jesus, now that she's older, made this statement about purity in their lives and where marriage and moral purity fit in in a proper order that is for them and things like cohabitation. And what the daughter said to the mom was, my generation just doesn't believe that anymore, mom. And the question is, what's really informing us? Are we letting the generation and the world around us inform us so we can just dismiss things from the word of God? Or are we going to take seriously and say, well, hang on a second. My generation may say this, but the word says this. Which are we going to hear? See, Jesus said, be careful what you're hearing. Watch what you're hearing. Because the evil one is constantly trying to take that from us. And no fruit is born if this word does not give in a place to grow inside of us and, and bear fruit and, and become something so that it might go forth. So, one thought is if, we, if we're struggling with how to hear the word, I'd like to just throw this out. Maybe some of you don't even know it's out there. I have this thing called our daily bread. They're out here every, every three months. A new, a new crop of these show up. And if you're sitting here saying, you know, Gary, I appreciate what you're saying, but I don't know how to get into the Bible. I don't know how to listen to it. I don't know how to layer it into my life on a daily basis, which is what I have said. Because we need, if we value it, we believe it, and we value it, and we're not going to dismiss it. We've got to hear it. I'd like to say, here's a hearing aid for you. It will take you to specific scriptures on a daily basis. It will give you thoughts to encourage you and to help you understand what is there. And it will engage you with the Word of God on a daily basis. It's a hearing aid, is what it is. Okay? And there may come a time when you say, I need something more. Okay? That's only like having this. <laughs> and I want to get one of these. And these are out there too. Okay? But I'm just thinking about somebody who might be here and say, I don't even know where to begin. Grab one of these before you leave because this is for uh, December, January, and February. So this will take you all the way through the month of February. And by the end of February, there'll be more out there. It'll take you through March, April, and May. They're there. Okay. So, one last thought. We're playing with, not playing, we're contemplating this idea of Jesus taught about these soils. 
And he said, hey, guess what? (laughs) The real bottom line issue is, what's here? What are you willing to receive of the word of God? Because what you're willing to receive, what you open yourself up to, God then says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double back down on that. I'm going to give you more of that. So if, you've opened our, if we've opened ourselves up to big things, God is going to reveal big things to us. If we shut ourselves off, he says, oh, that's where you're at right now. Okay, I've got other people ready to receive that. Um, but I would like to answer, play with just for a moment this question, that next parable, because he said it's about the sower, and he cast seed, and he went about his life. He slept, he got up, he did his daily routines. He's just going about life. And he doesn't know how this thing produces, but he knows that it comes to a blade and, and then a plant, and then there's a, full, uh, there's a full fruit, and then he harvests it. He doesn't know, he, doesn't, he can't tell day by day what's happening, but the nature of the seed and the nature of the soil are such that it will bear fruit. That will happen. I believe he's telling us that, you know, we might not always understand exactly how God's word is bearing fruit in our lives. We might not always be able to see it. We might not always be able to experience it. That every day I'm at this new spiritual high. Today I so walked with Jesus. And tomorrow I'm going to walk even higher with Jesus. You know what, friends? Let's be honest. The Bible speaks about persevering. And there are times when we just persevere. We go, you know what, Lord? I'm in kind of a dry season but I'm going to persevere and I'm going to continue to seek you and I'm going to continue to be in your word. I'm going to continue to let you speak to me. Because why? Because I know it ultimately bears fruit. Even if I don't know how it works. This season for us was one, this Christmas season where we wound up doing crossword puzzles. Won't tell you the long story behind that. But on more than one occasion, Lori will attest to this. I think I even shared it with David Locks that when he came and helped us, our puzzle was so hard, he came and helped us, okay? And I said, this is what amazes me in working a puzzle. How God has designed the brain and the eyes to work. And on this last puzzle that we did, it happened in three different times. I'm looking for a particular piece. And I mean, I have spent copious amounts of time looking for a particular piece. And I cannot find it. And because we have a dog that we've known has eaten pieces, if I happen to knock them on the floor, the dog eats them. Then you begin thinking those pieces are gone. I've already knocked them on the floor. The dog ate them. And there was one time when Lori was working on the puzzle, and she's kind of looking over it here, and she's got her arms in front of her. And I came to the other side of the table, and I don't have time to work on the puzzle. But I just look. And this piece that it goes where her arms are, jumps out at me. And I said, oh, there's that piece that I'd been looking for, right? I can't even see the puzzle over here. I pick it up. I say, excuse me. She leans back. I put the piece right exactly in place, even oriented it to the right thing as I grabbed it. Now, I'm not working the puzzle. I didn't look back over there and go, is it there? And then this, and then, oh, yeah, that looks like the one. I'm telling you. I walked up, looked at the table. Oh, there's that piece. It happened two more times where I'm not going to work on the puzzle, but the thing would frustrate me, so I'm brushing my teeth, and I go out and I look at it. And just while I'm just brushing my teeth, right? And there was one time, I wasn't there 30 seconds. This piece jumps out. Oh, there's that piece. And I wasn't looking for that piece now. I did look for it many times before. And on that morning, at about 30 seconds, it did it. And then another time, I stepped up to it in about 45 seconds. And this piece jumps out at me and goes, here it is. Now, what's going on? 
All right, I said to, I said to Lori, I said to Dave, how do our brains and our eyes work that I come back a day or two later? Oh, there it is. And I looked for it. I looked right over it. How many times? My point is, friends, I don't understand how that works, but it did. And being engaged with that puzzle somehow allowed this to happen here with my eyes, my memory, my brain. Not that I'm all that smart. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's how, what God has magnificently done. And it bore the fruit that, oh, that goes there. Whether I can understand it or not, here's the real point. Jesus is saying, if we keep layering in and pay attention to the word of God, there will come that day when it's, oh, <laughs> This now fits the puzzle right here, and I get it. But it entails believing that it is the Word of God, receiving it as the Word of God, valuing it as the Word of God, and then making sure that I'm exposing myself to it as the Word of God. Because if I just take a little taste here and there, just this little taste here and a little taste here, the evil one will take that away before it will ever bear fruit. I need some serious helpings. And one way to have a serious helping is every day layer a little bit more of the Word of God, whether we understand or not. Jesus says it will bear fruit. Father, thank you that you've given us your Word. It is your Word, Father, your revelation to us. You have given it with a purpose that it will shed light into our lives if we will hear it And Lord, I pray that you will refresh upon us at the outset of 2019 that um, we need to be careful how we are listening to your word. We need to receive it. And that you will impress upon us that there is blessing to be found for receiving it and for engaging it and letting our hearts understand it. And that there is also loss if we decide not to engage your word, Father. There are things which you would have opened to us that are not going to come. So, Father, may we indeed pay attention. May we watch what we hear, we ask in Jesus' name.